so much for this day. And Father, we're so grateful for this time of the year that we get to spend time with our families and talk about you and grow closer to you and to love you and to acknowledge what you have done for us, Lord, that you've come to this earth that we could have salvation. And you came as a tiny baby born in a manger, totally dependent on those you came to save, to raise you and to care for you as you grew in stature and grew in wisdom and grew in knowledge. And Father, we're so thankful that you gave us Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're just so thankful that you gave us the word of God and, and that you provided the disciples who walked the earth and, and uh, spread your word in those days, Lord, and that you equipped them to prepare them for the things that you had for them to do. And Father, you still continue to equip each one of us today to go out and do the work that you have given us to do. And, and we're so thankful that you do that for us. And, and Lord, as we move forward with uh, the service today and, and uh, your word is about to be preached, Lord, we just ask that your spirit be among each one of us and that you teach us and that you guide us, that you strengthen us. And Father, that we take away the things that you want us to take away and that we become closer to you today than we were yesterday and, and that we understand that we are in relationship with you. Our God has come to this earth to be in relationship with us and you care for us so deeply and you want us to seek you and you want us to pursue you and you want to teach us and you want to guide us and we ask that you do that today. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. <clears throat> today, I, t I titled this uh, sermon faithful servants of God. And it's a fitting time, I think, to share what I want to share with you today because it is that time where we're uh, acknowledging the birth of Christ and Him coming to this earth and we just get to uh, renew our memory of that every year. And this time of the year we really do that. And uh, I really uh, thought hard and long about it and and, and, and struggled with some of the text and, and uh, came to the conclusion, you know, God wants each one of us to participate in his work. And, and uh, so the things that I'd like to share with you today, I hope are very practical and, and in a way that we can apply them to our lives and, 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 and our ministry with uh, God and, and in service to him. So I wanted to go back to before I was even a Christian and when I was still living in home with my mom and dad. And I remember before I became Christian, listening to mom and dad discuss with other family members and other visitors that came to the house as well about God. I remember that I was intrigued by their conversations and I was hanging on their every word because I, this was foreign to me and I didn't know that much about God and the things that I did know I was learning through these kind of conversations and like I said I didn't know much about him but I was by that time keenly aware that I did not always follow the rules and disobey God and my parents and I'll use the word from time to time even though my mother's sitting here right now and she'd probably say well it was more than time to time but that's the way I remember it so <laughs> And I remember without fail, the subject of the unforgivable sin would be brought up very consistently when they discussed theological subject matters 
And I remember being disturbed that there could be something so bad that God would not forgive me. What was this unforgivable sin? How could I avoid it? These were things I was asking myself. How can, I, can those whom I love avoid it? It was many years before I could reconcile this matter in my own heart, and I learned that this unforgivable sin is not a one-time deed. It, rather, it's an ongoing, consistent rejection, a continuous rejection of God that brings about this type of sin. And you know, my mom and dad and their friends and many other members of my family were doing something without even realizing it at the time. They were sharing the gospel of Christ, weren't they? They were seekers themselves. Yet, my ear was keen to what they were saying. And I was listening to what God was trying to uh, say during those times. And they were sharing the gospel of Christ with me, even in their search to understand what the Christian life was all about themselves. God was speaking to me through their conversation, and they were oblivious to the fact that my heart was being equipped and prepared by God through those conversations while they were still seekers themselves. And you know, I thought about that often, and most recently, the last couple of days, is that, you know, even as when we're seekers and we're asking questions and we're looking forward and we're trying to figure out ourselves what the gospel is, should we be serving God, who is God, what are these things like the unforgivable sin that we may be witnessing to somebody not even realizing that they're listening and God is speaking through you and you don't even realize that he's using you as a vessel to teach others around you. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your relationship with God, does it? You are still able to participate with him in his kingdom work. Every time you or I speak the truth, the truth of God, we are participating in what he is doing on this earth. Too often we think that we cannot reach others with the gospel because simply I don't know enough about it. I don't know what to tell somebody. I don't know... Uh, what they're looking for. I don't know that much about the Bible myself because frankly I haven't studied it a whole lot. How can I possibly share with somebody about the love of God? But we all can and we should share what God has done for us with others. We can do that and people do listen. See, every one of us in this room have a story to tell. Every one of us became Christian somehow. There's a story right there you can tell. You can share with somebody else. The gospel message will be spoken through that story. Because that story did not happen without the gospel message being shared with you at some point along the line, did it? Or many points along the line. The very first times I remembered a gospel message being spoken were in my own home with my mom and dad, uh, asking questions and seeking themselves. Were they believers at that time? I don't think that they were believers at that time, but God knows if they were believers at that time. But you see, the simple act of them asking and seeking themselves made it possible for me to know more than I did know. And it struck an interest to me. 
and it caused me to seek and to look. I remember when I was in the military and I was more interested in uh, learning about God and I remember going to the store and looking at books on the shelves because I didn't know was Christianity where I wanted to go or did I want to study Buddhism? Did I want to look at the New Age movement? What did I want to do? I even believe those days when I was in that bookstore, God was speaking to me and God was guiding me and God was leading me. But He works through us, the church. It's us that He works through. He has chosen to use the body of Christ to do the work that He has to do. And He depends on each one of us. He doesn't have to, but He chooses to. We are His vessels. And when you do speak the truth of God's Word, the Spirit is the one who brings understanding. It is the Spirit who brings the conviction. It is the Spirit who changes the heart. It is not you, but God. We should never convince ourselves that we are of no use to the kingdom and we do not have anything of value to offer. God is the one who has shaped you into who you are today. He has accomplished much in you, and that is valuable, and it is worth sharing with the world. There is not one human being who does not have value, something of value to share with someone else. It doesn't matter what your stature in life is. It doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter if you're a bum on the street. It doesn't matter if you are a CEO of a company or somewhere in between. God has work for you. And each one of us should be seeking that and asking God all the time, Lord, where are you going to lead me today? What is my mission today, Lord? What do you want me to do? Who am I going to share with? Who do you want me to pray for? What things do you want me to accomplish? You see, being Christian is far more than a simple transaction between you and God. Saying a the sinner's prayer and going about your merry way and saying, well, you know what, that's done with. I don't have to worry about that. When I die, I'm going to heaven. That's not Christianity. That's not salvation. You see, if God genuinely changed your heart, He's going to move you to do something. God did not make a bunch of couch potatoes to do nothing. He made us as His body of Christ. We are serving a living God who wants a relationship with us, and He wants a relationship with those He wants you to reach out to. He is interested in far more than a simple transaction. If all he wanted was a simple transaction, as soon as we become saved, he'd just take us home. He wouldn't need us anymore to be done. Go home. What's the purpose at that point? He wants all of you, not a small leftover piece of you. When we are at work, he wants us. When we are at home, he wants us. When we're mingling with family and friends, he wants us. And he wants us to participate in the most important thing we could participate in, which is his work. Not do I have a gun club to go today, to today, or do I have a bowling uh, a tournament today, or should I go do this or do that? See, those venues are doorways and opportunities to share the truth of God.
How many times have we went into a situation and the subject matter was laying right there in front of you and you could say something and chose not to because either you didn't want to be embarrassed, maybe you didn't want to make the person feel bad, or whatever it might be, and you let it go. That's an opportunity God has given you. I'm not asking you to feel bad about missed opportunities, but take those missed opportunities and pray. God, please don't let me miss another one. Lead me into the next path and make sure that I see it and make sure that you give me the boldness, Lord, to be able to speak out in your name for who you are and what you are. Because a genuine Christian should have a strong desire to serve God, to participate in what he is doing on this earth. You want to be salt and light in a dark and lost world. God spoke to me when I was in darkness through people who did not even realize that they were ministering to a lost soul. Maybe the person you're talking to and sharing the truth of the gospel with is totally oblivious to what you're saying and are like, well, man, I wish this person would quit babbling. He's driving me crazy. But that's the person you're not sharing the gospel with. This person two tables down from you that you're sharing the gospel with and don't even know it. You think you're sharing it with the person across the table from you, but you're sharing it with somebody you do not even know. Let us take a moment and go to Matthew 28, verses 19, 19 through 20. It's a verse that many of us already know. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have taught you. I have commanded you, I'm sorry, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These two verses were not intended for the twelve disciples only. These verses were intended for the body of Christ. And all you got to do is look at the context of it and you can see that I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He is talking here to every believer. What are we to do? Not to go and make converts. Did he say that? But to go and make disciples. See, that's what Jesus did for the three and a half years he walked this earth. He was making, he made disciples to do the work that he wanted them to do. And what did those disciples do? They made disciples. Making a disciple was more than a one-time conversation with somebody. God wants us to take others under our wing and to share God's love with them and to make it our mission to make them a disciple of God. They may very well be unbelievers today. But as you spend more and more time with them, and they spend more and more time with you, and you're sharing the love of God with them and the things that God has accomplished in your life, and they see you participating in the work of God and seeing what it's doing in your life, it's going to change their lives. Can't even help but to change their life. See, every genuine Christian should be equipped to share the gospel of Christ and be a faithful servant of the one true God who is our master, our hope, 
our Redeemer and our King. So the question, the question may be on all of our minds here, or some of our minds, I don't know, how do we become equipped and prepared effective servants of God? How do we do that? Well, I'd like to share a few ways today. On your path to become more equipped, the first thing you can do is tell your unique story. You don't need to know scriptures to tell your story. You don't need to have a Bible verse in your mind to tell your story. Tell how you became who you are. And be prepared to share what he has done for you since you became saved and since you are a servant of Christ. See, when we have salvation, we are servants. Servants do things. Servants take action. They step out. Well, Dave, what could I possibly share? Well, has he delivered you from trouble? Talk about the trouble he's delivered you from. Talk about the things that he has opened your heart to and made you realize where you were wrong. Has he changed your heart in a significant way? Talk about how God has changed your heart. Talk about these things with anyone who will listen. Has he given you peace? Talk about that peace. Has he brought you joy? Has he freed you from bondage? Has he brought about repentance in your life? Share these things with joy, the joy of the Lord. Share them. I remember when I got my first brand new car. It was a Chrysler LeBaron Coupe. It was a 1987 Chrysler LeBaron Coupe. It had a stick shift, five speed. It was a nice red car, had gray interior. AM, FM radio with a CD player, or not CD, but tape player, because they didn't have CD at the time. Tape player in it. I was on top of the world. How many people did I talk to about having that car? How many people got sick and tired of hearing me talk about that car? I was excited about it. I was thrilled. If I'm thrilled about a car, how can I possibly not be thrilled about the changes God has made in my life and about who he has made me and how he has shaped me and brought me to where I'm at today as a Christian? What about you? Is there anything more exciting in your life than knowing that you are a child of the living God, the one true God? Share your story. That's the first thing you can do. Paul instructed each one of us to rejoice always and to pray without ceasing. And you can find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. And in Matthew 6, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus instructs us on how to pray. So this is step number two on how we can become effective uh, Christians and effective servants of God is through prayer. We should daily be praying to God throughout the day, 
praying to him, driving down the road praying to him. You getting mad at somebody because they're doing something on their own, instead of lashing out at being, them being mad at you, how about praying to God, Lord, I don't know what's going on with this person up in front of me, but Lord, I'm getting angry and I'd like you to bring my anger under control, but most of all, Lord, I would like to pray for that person in front of me because I don't know what's going on. Maybe there's something in their life going on right now and that's why they're being erratic. Or, Lord, I saw them on their cell phone. Can you uh, tell them or make it some way that they would put that phone away to keep themselves safe? Always seek ways to pray to God, but not just about yourself. Pray for others, others who don't even know that you're praying for them. And Jesus said in this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're glorifying God right off the bat, aren't we? The first thing we should do when we're praying to God is lift him up, be thankful to him, and, and, and glorify him, honor him, appreciate him. Your kingdom come and your will be done. God, it's my will that you would get this person off the road and get them out of my way so I can keep going and get rid of this anger. But not my will, Lord, your will be done. If it's your will that my anger be tested so I can learn to get it under control, then so be it, God. I pray that you'll give me the strength to overcome the anger that I have in my heart right now. On earth as it is heaven, give us this day our daily bread. We should always ask God to provide our daily needs. He doesn't say anything about our wants here, does he? But he does ask us to pray for our needs and to be thankful for our needs. How many of us sit down and have dinner, breakfast, lunch, doesn't matter, without saying a prayer of thanks to God first? Because you realize you can't eat that meal unless God provided that meal. Walmart doesn't have the cereal if God doesn't provide the food for it to go to Walmart. You can't buy the food off the shelves at Walmart if God didn't provide you the income to go buy the food. Everything we have that is good comes from God. Be thankful for it in your prayer. And God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. See, we are going to be judged the way we judge. We are going to be forgiven in the same manner that we forgive. This prayer right here should remind us of that. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And you know, when we can't find the words to pray, that we can pray the words of the scripture. Have you ever thought about that? There are many great prayers in the scriptures. You can find many great prayers just reading through the Psalms. And God can and will interpret that prayer that you're uh, uh, quoting from the Bible. He will interpret what you're asking through that prayer. Maybe you're feeling pain or difficulty or struggle, or maybe you feel you're being attacked by somebody else. And you know when you open up Psalm chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 and say, But you, O Lord, you are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts me up my head, I cried out to you, Lord, with my voice, and you heard me 
from your holy hill. Or how about this, Psalm 5, 1 through 8. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for you, to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You should destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. Lead me, O God, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your ways straight before my face. You see, when our prayers are in alignment with the will and purpose of God, He will grant our request and He will accomplish much in our lives. But the key thing is, they have to be in alignment with God's will and purpose for our life, not ours. And the closer we become to God, the more our prayers will align with His and we will see more and more of them being answered to our liking because we are in alignment with what God's trying to accomplish in our lives. And the closer we grow to Him, the more likely we're going to be in tune with that and to have our prayers be in alignment with that. So it is important for us to pray. The third thing, meditate. It is important for Christians to meditate. God will bring us understanding as we take the time to meditate. However, we must understand the biblical, what biblical meditation is before we can effectively meditate before God. See, meditation is often treated as a synonym for relaxation and is associated with emptying your mind. That is not biblical meditation. Emptying your mind is not what God is asking us to do. In scriptures, in scriptures, however, meditation refers to deep and careful and prayerful thought. Meditation may be described as thinking long and continuously about one subject. Systematic reading will naturally lead to meditation upon particular verses as portions of the text either stand out for further thought or raise questions in your mind. Meditation is one of the best ways to keep the word of Scripture in our minds and help us apply them to our lives. Psalm 19.14 says this, Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. How about 77.12? I will also meditate on your work and talk of your deeds. Psalm 119.15, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. 145.5, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on how, your, on how wondrous your works are. Meditation keeps our hearts and minds continuously upon the Lord. The more we meditate, the more natural it will become to each and every one of us. We will find ourselves meditating even when we haven't set purposeful time aside to do it. I have an example, and this just happened to me the other day. Jen and I was watching a TV show. 
we were watching this show about a murder that took place, and they were discussing DNA. And I found myself at that time meditating about the awesome power of God and how wonderfully He designed us and made us and formed us from the dust of the earth. That a murderer can be caught because of our unique DNA sequence. And there are billions and billions of people on this earth. And our DNA is unique to us. How can you not meditate on the power of God and the wonderful creative power he has? And I was watching a TV show. I wasn't trying to meditate, but I found myself missing part of the show because I was meditating on God and how great and awesome and powerful he is. And there are many more opportunities that we have meditating. I'm sure that many of us have went on walks going down the path of a trail and seeing the beauty of God's work. The, maybe it, in the fall when the leaves are changing color. I know that's one of my wife's favorite times of the year. And you look at that beauty and you're like, you're like, wow, God, you are a great creator. Look at the art you have created here for us as we're taking this walk and can enjoy it. And we can enjoy it because you made it happen. It doesn't matter where we're at. We can meditate on the things of God. Meditation will become a routine part of your life as you practice it on a daily basis. I have a challenge for you. We have a Bible study class every other Wednesday. And as you re read through the particular chapter of that week, which is John chapter 4 on May, or I'm sorry, January 9th. We're studying chapter 4. Take time after you complete reading that chapter two or three times and meditate on it. The questions that it brought forward in your mind, meditate on those. Think about it. What are you trying to teach me here, Lord? What do you want me to see? God, this woman was at the well and Jesus arrived at the well and he was there before she arrived and he asked her for a drink. And they got talking about this living water. Wow, that is an amazing scene. I would like to just think about that. Maybe you'll have questions that you write down and then you just ponder those questions. And see what God teaches you in those times of meditation what he reveals to you when you're quiet in his word, meditating on what he is teaching you. The fourth thing we can do is study. Study his word. We should always prepare ourselves through study. 2 Timothy 2.15 teaches us that we should do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Part of study isn't just opening the Bible and reading it. Part of study is right living living in a proper manner. 
See, we cannot be effective ambassadors for Christ if we are living like the devil, if we are giving considerations to ourselves first and placing others a distant second. How can we be effective Christians for Christ or ambassadors for Christ when we are acting like that? If we see someone in need and we wish them well and send them on their way, what good is that? Is that right living? On the other hand, if we see someone cannot get to work because they have a flat tire, and we could take the time either to repair that tire or to take the tire and get it repaired for them, now we're being a good witness for Christ, aren't we? Being a good witness requires action on our part. It requires thought on our part. We see someone in need, don't wait for someone else to provide the need. If you have the means, provide for that need. And you know, I've heard many people say, well, you know what? That person doesn't have a job and they're capable of working. Or that person over there is a drug addict. Why should I help them? What good is that going to do? All they're going to do is take whatever I do and sell it and buy drugs. It's easy to have those kind of thoughts, isn't it? That's the way the world thinks. That's not the way a Christian thinks. It is not our place to determine if they are worthy of our help. It is our job and our duty to help when we have the means to do so. God is their judge, not us. I am so thankful that God did not wait until I was worthy to help me. We can always find reasons not to give and not to help, but I challenge you to stop thinking this way if you do. Rather, if I help, I could have an opportunity to share God's love. That person may take what you gave them, sell it, and buy drugs. But what happens if you have the opportunity to share the truth of His love through that conversation and through the help that you're offering that person? One thing is for sure, if you help, you demonstrate God's love. Remember, God helped you when you did not deserve it too. The kind of love that God has placed into the Christian's heart is the kind of love that is demonstrated through actions, not words. Anyone can speak words, but the true love of God is demonstrated through our actions. Let us go to James chapter 2. And let's just consider what it's like to be a faithful servant of God. James chapter 2, starting in verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. If you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? You see, our faith is demonstrated by what we do, not by what we say. We can sit on the sidelines and be producing, can we, that's the real question, is can we sit on the sidelines and produce effective ambassadors for Christ? 
Can you be an effective ambassador of God if you are sitting on the sidelines? We must meet the needs of those who are hurting, hungry, suffering, disgraced, poor, widowed, and the unloved. It is by our actions that God's love is seen, and it is by our actions that God's love is responded to. If we, attack, if, we, if we tell somebody, yeah, I'm not helping you, but you know, good luck, I hope you're able to work things out and expect that God's love is going to work through us, we're mistaken. It's only by His love through the actions that He wants us to take when we take those actions that His love is demonstrated. Another part of study is memorization. Oh no, Dave, why did you say that? Are you serious? I can't memorize anything. Don't you know that by now? I've told you these things. I cannot memorize things. And this is a sore point for many people. I have been told on many occasions, I have, I can't memorize. I'm not any good at it. But you know what? In reality, we all have an innate ability to memorize to store massive amounts of information for later recall in our memories. Anybody know what three times three is? Okay. What is your date of birth? Did you need a map to get to church today? How do you drive a car? What street do you live on? Can you sing your favorite song without having the lyrics in front of you? What is your spouse's phone number? By the way, I can show you. My spouse's phone number is Jennifer. I open my phone up and I push that name and it calls her. Anybody want to see later? I'll be happy to show you. Psalm 119.11 states, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What is the value of storing God's word in your heart. There are a few things. Number one, storing his word in your heart can help you overcome sin. It can help you as you witness God's word to somebody else. It can help you in your Bible study. And it can help you in your prayer life. There are so many ways having scriptures stored in your mind can help you, it's not even amazing. And you may not even be thinking about it while you're sharing a story with somebody or you're talking about God with somebody and then all of a sudden that you can tell them, you know, that you, it doesn't matter whether you sin or not, God will forgive you. Because you could say, you know, the, 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 now my mind's drawing a blank, but I have the scripture in my mind where, you know, that all of our sins are forgiven. And, you know, it doesn't even matter if you remember the exact words of the scripture verse. God will recall it to your mind to where you can either quote it to them or, or speak it in general terms. And then also be able to refer to the scripture, scripture verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The scriptures say that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How about Ephesians 2 through 10, 8, 
8 through 10. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works that he created in advance for you to do. When you're sharing the truth of the gospel with somebody and you don't have a Bible in front of you, how powerful is that? Do you think the Spirit's going to work through God's word when it's spoken from your tongue even though you don't have a Bible open in your hand? There's power in knowing God's word. God can't recall something from your mind that isn't put there. Another one is reading God's Word. I've also heard people tell me, well, Dave, I'm not a very good reader. I can't read. But you know what? There are so many ways to read today. You can have an actual book in your hand, a physical book, or you can have a digital book like I got right here today. Or you can have an audio book and you can read God's Word. I have a little thing that I put together last night. You know, if you read one chapter of the Bible every day, one chapter, that's about 31 verses. One chapter a day for 365 days. Actually, in 257 days, you've read the entire New Testament. In 257 days, one chapter a day, you've read the entire New Testament. It takes about five minutes for a good reader, at the most, to get through one chapter. Maybe if you're a really slow reader, 15 minutes. But five to 15 minutes a day, you can read through the entire New Testament in 257 days. But if you go the rest of the year and read a chapter a day, you can read all of Genesis, all of Exodus, and 18 verses of Leviticus. If you only retain 10% of that, you have memor you, you, you've retained enough to have one book of the Bible retained in your mind, and then you do it again next year. Is that powerful? And then the final one I want to talk about today, and I'll be real quick on it in closing, is the preaching of the Word. And you guys are hearing that today, the preaching of God's Word. And taking notes and studying that and reviewing it and, and listening to what God is speaking to you through that Word. But when we do all of these things and we apply them to our lives... I think that there is a lot of application in this sermon today that we could take home, things we can apply right now to grow in our Christian walk. And if each one of us do that, you think this church could grow between now and next year this time? If we apply these things on a daily basis, I believe it will. See, God loves us so much that he gave us life. But he loves the people around us so much, he wants us to reach out to them and speak to them so he can work through us to provide them life.
God's love didn't stop with us. It continues on through us.